1: What's up? Welcome back to Barton and Bud. This is Barton Simmons along with Bud Elliott. We are coming at you on, I don't know when you're listening to this, but we are here speaking on Sunday night uh, after another wild weekend. Just like, just sort of run it back. You know, every weekend is going to be wild, I think, from here on out. And I think, Bud, that this could end up being one of the most fun college football seasons we've ever seen. It's all conference games. We are we're gonna be totally guessing interconference conference and comparing teams. We're we're going to be dealing with like random offensive explosions all year long based on any number of different factors, uh, a lot of which are probably gonna be like COVID related. Where we got new coaches trying to figure this stuff all out along the way. Like it's just the whole environment of the season is is is. Is coming together, and I know I get that we're like there are very serious and uh, big picture reasons for it to be as as bizarre a year as it is. But just taking it face value, just football alone, like this will be a wildly entertaining season, and we're off to a heck of a start.
0: We're we're gonna remember this year like, like we remember 2007, man. Just just for the craziness of it, and like every game has meaning when you're playing conference-only schedules. There's no game where it's like, hey, okay, we lost, but it's a non-conference game. No, man. Like Every team that loses, I go to their message board for for their team site on 247sports.com and it is the end of the world yeah. it's a conference yeah.
1: game yeah. and no no one's being like oh you know what like let's give the coaches a break this year like it's just like hey they've had a lot to deal with you know there's all kinds of uncertainty no this is still they're all still going hard in the message boards
0: it's very rational like like suggesting mike, mike Leach get an offensive coordinator and you know dude it, this was this was incredible it 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 man what 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 a year already uh, speaking of which what, what a ride we we've, we've been on Under 40 episodes so far for the Barton and Bud show, and we are two, two reviews away from 600. So by the time you listen to this, you may be the lucky person to give us that review, number 600. And that certainly helps us in the Apple charts, uh, the fastest growing college ball podcast out there. So please do tell your friends, give us that five-star rating and review, help make us a winner.
1: We're kind of competing with late kick right now, I feel like, for that fastest growing podcast uh, title. So... You know, come help your boy. Like we can't have Pate the muscle head coming into the office on zoom meetings, you know, chest puffed out about all his five-star reviews. So get, you know, cut, cut your boys, Barton and Butt some, some, some five stars in there.
0: Are you accusing Pate of using uh, performance enhancing drugs on, on his Apple reviews? Uh, yeah, look, I mean, I don't I mean well it doesn't to seem natural.
1: None of it seems natural. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so,
0: so Josh is the winner. Of course, man, I, I kind of thought tonight. Let, let's go ahead and talk about who we thought were winners of the weekend. Not just hey, they won a game because duh, obviously. But like broader, big picture winners, why? And, and then we'll kind of use those 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 you know, teas we pick as jumping off points to discuss maybe some games or, or what we learned in some of those games, and you know what might apply going forward. So I'll, I'll let you lead it off. Take it wherever you want to take it.
1: So. All right, so I just added one to our to our little show notes spreadsheet because you were diligent and did your homework ahead of time and I was scrambling today. But my, my number one um kind of winner, big picture winner in this is SEC new coaches. I, I think that this is I don't know, like I feel like the SEC has is for a long time been about hiring. Uh, just you, you sort of have to hire this this certain type of coach right you have to hire this um whether it's a Saban acolyte or whether it's um a, rec- a recruiter or it's a I don't know you know like a Barry Odom was sort of this oh he's a you know he's a that's, he's, he's coached some good defenses in the SEC and you know like it's just there's it, there's there's this prototype. And I feel like this year's coaching hires were not hired from within the prototype. Now, Lane Kiffin was very much, I think that was a, as, even as, as, as sort of off the, you know, to, to the extreme edges of the margins he, he, he plays and operates within like that's still, all right. He's, he's coaching the SEC before he can recruit. He's coached under Sabin. Like there was a lot of boxes that, that checked, but still just the nature of Lane Kiffin, as a head coach in the SEC was a bit of a, you know, a, a bit of a zig um, from, from what kind of the traditional hire. But then when you add Sam Pittman, um, uh, Eli Drinkwich and Mike Leach to the mix as well, you're getting, I think, collectively a very non-traditional hiring cycle in the conference. Did I miss anybody. It was just four, right? Yep. Just four. Yeah. and And here we are and we're three weeks in. And these guys are all, I mean, Mike Leach has had mixed returns, but I mean, he did, he, he got, he set the conference on fire in week one. And I think that it's still, I mean, look, there's a reason that we were sort of underselling him coming into the year because there was challenges with that roster. And I think that. I, I still think that that will have been a good hire and that's a good fit and 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 it's just going to take a little bit of time. But Eli Drinkwitz look, looks good so far. Lane Kiffin looks like a freaking like perfect hire for old miss. Like I can't I can't imagine a more perfect hire for old miss. And I mean that in a, in like the best of ways. I'm so glad he's there. Um and then Sam Pittman, which is like that's a new prototype and just and 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 also one that like off a line coach um but has recruited at extremely high levels within the SEC, can hire at a really high level because of the relationships that he has and is is able to to sort of manage the game from outside the coordinator headset. And, and, and he's, he's off to a a great start as well. And so I think like my point here is twofold. One is just, you know, good group of hires, but two, it feels a little bit like the conference is progressing a little bit from an offensive standpoint. The conference is, pushing the bounds a little bit of what's we how we're supposed to in, you know view the SEC we're getting a lot of the Big 12 folks being like oh like you know now that you guys are scoring all these points it's 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 all about great offense and not bad defense right and i think that there's some merit to that point um but i i i think that there is also just an element of all right these are really good coaches that are going to force people to adapt to offensive football in this conference in a way they haven't had to before. Um, I mean, we may talk about this a little bit because we were, we were talking about uh, it, it uh, before the, the we jumped on here, but Missouri LSU, I felt like I was watching like, um, I don't know the, the like Kansas city chiefs or something with some of the, was some of like the, the, the offensive scheme stuff that they were putting in there some of the motion stuff the orbit motion the the misdirection the way they're putting LSU's defenders in conflict and it's not it's not just some cookie cutter like oh here's the air raid scheme or oh here's the um I don't know what you are the west coast offense or whatever you want to call it. like it was just a it was a a, a a a compilation of different systems and different schemes that that was just really impressive now maybe there's a name for it and I don't know and I'm just not educated on it but to me it just looked like a really good offensive foundation and, and Lane Kiffin is sort of the same way. He just sort of created this, these, you know, he's brought together several different systems. Um, and, and ha- has, has a lot of Baylor and Art Browse influence, but has some Saban stuff in there or not Saban, but, but um, some of the stuff that they ran at Alabama. I'm just, it, there's a lot of different like angles that I'm this what I'm sort of talking around here, but bottom line is it's just an exciting like new fresh blood that has arrived in the SEC and it's i it feels all positive in terms of what it's going to do to the conference and to the quality of football.
0: You know, Barton look at a guy like Sam Pittman, right? Georgia's offensive line coach when when he goes and gets hired by Arkansas, who does he go out? He hires Kendall bryles to, to be his offensive coordinator. Now, when did did they ever face Kendall bryles offense? Not necessarily, but but here's something interesting. I I do wonder if being in those meetings with Kirby, maybe he heard Kirby Smart complaining about how tough it was to play Missouri's offense back when Missouri had who? Jeff Levy and Josh Hypel, Right. Yeah. You know, I, I'm pretty sure that the, the, his time in Georgia and, and Hypel Levy's time at Missouri would have overlapped. And so that's probably something he stuck away in the back of his mind. Said, oh, if, I, if I ever get to be a head coach, this is what one of the best defensive head coaches in football thinks about having to stop this. It reminds me of uh, how Bob Stoops, when, when he got to Oklahoma, went out and hired the guy in Mike Leach, who gave him the absolute fits when, when he was Florida's D.C. under Spurrier, and, and Leach was was the O.C. at at uh, at Kentucky. You know, Drinkwitz has been doing this creative stuff since he was at Boise. I mean, he was Boise, then he was NC State, and then he was App's head coach. Like, he's a very creative, creative play caller, and they do some stuff it's just perfect for a team like Missouri. because Missouri is never going to be a top tier team in the East, just due to like like talent. Their, their goal is to make bowl games more often than not, right? Hopefully, a lot more often than not, to to, to you know to, to pull an exciting upset, to be you know relevant, threaten the top twenty five when when they can. If you can score points like that, you absolutely can do so. Because we've seen Missouri has the ability to have a, a quality defense. Over the last couple of years, and I do think Barry Odom, by the way, who is uh, you know now Missouri's defensive coordinator, did a good job for them defensively, just program management, offense, that that kind of stuff. Not not so much, man. But I don't know. I, I don't even really remember this guy's recruit that much. May, maybe you do. Connor Bazalak for Missouri.
1: I do remember him.
0: Yeah. Six completions of twenty plus yards. Five incompletions. Yeah. That's, that's crazy on LSU's defense. Which let's play an over/under real fast.
1: Just Bo that, uh, under <laughs> whatever it is under. <laughs> I, I was unless gonna you're go, unless you're going unless you go on like a yardage number. I'm going under. I was going to say games that that they
0: before he's demoted. Uh, nine. I mean, he makes it to the end of the season. I don't know,
1: so I don't. Who, who do you who would you who do you promote? So I'm like Corey uh, Raymond.
0: Uh, I guess. Uh, his DBs
1: I, just got torched. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think, is there another, um, I, I think, I think he gets so, so, okay. I I'll, I think he gets through the season, but I mean, Ogeron hasn't exactly shown a lot of patience. Um, Bill Bush, I guess, would be maybe be the, I mean, he's the safeties coach. Um, I bet you Bill Bush would be the, the, the promotion if they were going to do that, but no, I, I, I. I mean, there were guys like that, whatever, whatever you want to point to in that LSU defense, and and say that that they were lacking. Like you can find, you can find it whether it's physicality, you can find it whether it's just playmaking when the ball is in the air, you can find it whether it's like bus. I mean, there there were those. There were guys where like there there were multiple plays where guys were just running wide open, but. They were also, I mean, they also ran the football really effectively on them. They also, you know, broke tackles. They also um just th- there wasn't an element of that game that LSU looked like they played well. And there was a couple of plays here and there uh where you could see guys flash. And it's like, well, that guy's a great athlete. Um, but there were a lot of plays where it didn't look like that. There were a lot of plays where it looked like they looked like it was Missouri from a from a talent standpoint. Like BJ Ojolari had a sack early in the game. And it was like, all right, well, where was that? Like, this is this that's that's legit. Um, but there was all kinds of open field second level tackles. Even the Jabril uh, the um, Jabril Cox kid from uh, North Dakota State was, and he made some plays, but he also missed some tackles and was out of out of position. And Jacoby Stevens, who was a you know was a big part of the national championship team. He got he got toasted a couple times, or at least was out of position. And and I don't know whether it's his fault or what, but it looked bad. So they just they, they don't they don't they don't seem to have a grasp on what Bo Pellini wants them to do right now. And they're not playing with confidence. They're not playing fast. They're not playing like that. Was the thing. That's the a great defense is when you're just not thinking. You're just reacting and playing. And they're they're doing a lot of thinking out there, and it's not looking good.
0: Schedule does not get any easier for LSU this weekend. They have to go uh, to play Florida's offense. So good luck with that. I since we mentioned it, we, we should just probably go ahead and jump on into this. I, I think um, my first winner is whoever gets to recruit against LSU this year, right? Because LSU was recruiting at a super elite level, and, and they they may still right. I, I I might eat my words on this, but if you're an opposing recruiter and you're trying to negatively recruit LSU. It's a hell of a lot easier now to go into a kid's living room and sell your program and then also mention, oh, all right, if it's not us, then who? Oh, LSU? Well, guess what? Edward orgerons he had one year, 2019. The rest of his coaching career looks like this. Now that all those guys off 2019 are gone, now that he doesn't have, have Joe Burrow and Joe Brady and the other 19 dudes in the NFL off that squad, what does he look like? Does it look like, look like he's actually building on that? Does it look like it's anywhere close to sustaining that or anywhere close? Or does it look like what he had at Ole Miss, what he had at, what he had at USC, what he had at the prior year, years at LSU? Like, if I'm Georgia and I'm going up against LSU for, for a guy like a Corey Foreman, I'm pretty pumped to see them play that bad, right? Because I think I think to a certain extent you could write it off as dudes went to the NFL, but not 45 spot to Missouri and, what, 50 spot to, to whatever it was to Mississippi State and – I mean, more twenty-yard completions allowed than incompletions forced. Like this is just beyond the pale. And like, if you're a And M, if you're Georgia, if you're any of these schools that are recruiting Auburn, you know, against LSU right now, you're. This is kind of the collapse that you're like, oh, okay, this, this is a break for us.
1: Yeah, I think the and the the weird thing, and I know we we talked about it last, you know, and, and I don't want to be overly negative towards LSU because I mean the offense, particularly offensively, because the offense. They did put up 41, and they did. Miles Brendan did look look a lot better, and Terrace Marshall did go for 235 and three touchdowns. And and but the the thing that is, I think, kind of almost bizarre, is the the lack of commitment to the run game. Um, they had 49 yards rushing. Uh, Ty Davis Price had 38. That was their leading rusher. Emory uh, John Emory had two carries. On the day um but again i mean i i don't even i'm not even going to criticize that they put up 41 points and they they have to as i mentioned before they, they have to they have to find themselves over the course of the season and if that means throwing it 100 times you know do what you got to do but they were over 10 on third downs in the game um and when you're talking about recruiting and you're talking about a program that has some you know five-star top 100 type backs right now on the roster and this is a program with an incredible running back lineage and it's pretty, you know, its pretty hard to beat that on the recruiting trail. You know, that that's, that's, that's a vulnerability that other, another team can press on. It's like, all right, look, like look what the running game has become at LSU. And then you can go and you can, you know, if you're Jimbo Fisher, you can, you can suddenly say like, Hey, well we're, we're pounding the rock with Isaiah Spiller. Like get, get, get our boys some help. So, um, but I, So, so you get like, there's a, maybe there's like a, there's a, there's some daylight there, but I mean, I think I'd always run wins and recruiting by effort. Um, you know, he just, he napalms, you know, he just scorched earth recruiting style. And I still think there's a, there's a, there's a really high floor on what they're like. They're, they're, they're never going to drop off significantly. Um, it's more of an indiv- like a a, a one off sort of opportunity here. If if you got a prospect, you you know that you're battling LSU for. So
0: I'm glad you brought that up, right? Because I don't think they're going to fall off like crazy, but but I do think that if they have a season this bad, it can prevent them from taking that next step to where they're signing another class that is like the equal of Georgia's or, or the equal of Bama's, you know, a, again, right? Like last year, it did feel like they entered a different stratosphere in recruiting than they had recently. Under Orgeron, around with going and getting a guy like 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 a Gilbert and those dudes, right? So I don't know, like I don't know if they can repeat that this year with this big of a drop off. And we we got a lot of heat when we said that they're closer to four and six and eight and two, and I don't think either of us thought they were actually going to go four and six, but uh
1: they're not going to go eight and two. We got. I think we got that score to save it. Uh, All right, Bart, where do you want to go now? Um, Let's see. Well, I think so. the The Clemson Miami game gave us a lot of takeaways, a lot of observations. I'm gonna let you. You did some. You did did some. Dug up some numbers on this one. So I'm gonna let you lead the way here. Um, You know what, what? Why? Why is Clemson? A winner from their their matchup with miami other than the obvious
0: yeah so they, they they really kicked the crap out of miami um i mean before garbage time the only only score miami had was uh was when clemson inexplicably tried to kick a 61 yard field goal up 21 to 3 when miami had not moved the ball all day it was blocked in returned for a touchdown and uh the reporter actually kind of gave it to Dabo. I, I don't know who who was. He, he didn't like that. He was did he?
1: pissed. <laughs> I know. Well, because he he sort of pulled the like Eminem eight mile. Like I'm going to tell you why I screwed up before you even asked me. And then she was like, "Okay, tell me more about that." And he was like, "You really going to ask me that again?" <laughs> it, it, it's
0: it's like when 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 your kid falls and, and your wife's doing like a complete and total autopsy of exactly uh, you know exactly <laughs> like how, how you screwed up. Bill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So all right, before garbage time. Clemson out gained him 462 to 132. So that's uh that's almost triple. Woo. Uh yeah. Uh Miami, this is something we did talk about in, in, in the pre-show when we did our deep dives. We said, look, Miami so far, for the most part, has had Derek King bailed them out on third and long and kind of these longer downs. And this is probably not sustainable. They've got to find a way to stay ahead of the chains. Barton, they did not do that. Uh, they were just 15% success rate on second and eight plus and third and five plus 15%. That is not going to get it done. And look, I I don't expect you to be 50%, but 15% is, is just that that, that's a recipe to get blown out. And they were also, I think they were in 20. uh, Yeah. There's a lot of writing here. I think they were in 27 of those before garbage time. So they were basically doing zero, on first down, and then on second down they were not getting back ahead of the chains at all, and it was setting up a lot of third downs. Clemson just suffocated Miami's receivers, 15 targets, 33 yards before garbage time. I mean, that's That's been an issue with them for a lot of the year. They they, they did torch Florida State to their credit, but pretty much everybody else that, that has played the FSU defense also has. Um, Derek King before garbage time, 9 of 23 for 58 and two interceptions. Miami's running backs, this was the other thing, right? Like Cameron Harris has had a great year. And and you know, Don Chaney's had a nice year. 10 carries, 11 yards. And I haven't even said the names Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne yet. I mean, this was just Clemson's defense absolutely putting clamps on Miami's offense and saying, hey, you've played Louisville and Florida State's defensive line so far. And UAB was actually, like we joked about it, but that actually is the best defense they had played so far. And... Clemson's defense is a different stratosphere than anything Miami's played. I'm still very confident this Miami offense is good enough to prevent them from losing too many times in like, you know, upset fashion. But they can't block or win one-on-ones on the outside like they need to do against some of these late defenses. I think that was pretty well shown. And then Brent Venables is, is his ability to scheme free rushers on people is is awesome. Like that guy's great.
1: He, he is the best. He is the best assistant coach in college football. I think mean, that's hard to argue otherwise. Um, th- I am perplexed at Miami's lack of playmakers at wide receiver. And, I mean, they can get that fixed. I mean, I would hope if anyone should be able to get that fixed, it's the team that's located in, in 305. Um but I mean, these are guys that the guys they have are guys that we thought were good for the most part. Um and and as I've been yelling about like, what are we doing? Why isn't Miami like running some sort of a spread system? Why, why are we not just getting playmakers the ball in space? What what why are we overthinking this, Miami? And then they finally have one and a system that is, is built for that to a degree. And those guys are not good enough. Um, And I'm not putting it all on them, but they're not good enough. And this has been, I mean, there hadn't been a game this year where you looked at the wide receivers and you're like, Oh man, that's a good group. Um, So I don't know. And, and these, and again, these are guys that I thought coming out of high school for the most part, I I don't, you know, I got to look at the roster, but I mean, Mark Pope jumps out as a guy I thought would be a good player. I thought he'd be a really good player. Um, uh, You know, there's, there, there's there's others. I, I'm I'm just I don't have the roster in front of me, and I'm blanking on their name because none of them flash, and and I hadn't I hadn't heard their name called in a while. But I, I think about like one one area that Miami has to improve is just getting these guys that can that can make these plays on the perimeter. Um, Jacoby George, Brashard Smith, Ramella Brinson. Those are a couple of the guys they have recruited in this class. Ramella um, Brashard Smith is is. Very short, but one of the fastest players in the state of Florida, um, and I, I, you know, I, and Jacoby George, I think, is one of like the better route runners and and sort of better tape that, that you're going to find a receiver. Um, not as flashy, not as like um, the traits may not be as as flashy as some others, but he's I think really good. They need some guys like that to jump in and and be be impact guys moving forward. Um, but I think in terms of this game and this matchup. I mean, Clemson is now very clearly, when you contrast them against certainly what we saw from Alabama, I guess what we've seen to this point from Georgia, I mean, maybe we can throw Georgia up there. Um, but, you know, Georgia has some some flaws. But I think you're starting to be like, well, you know, you're starting to look at the landscape right now and you're starting to say, okay, let's hope Ohio State's bringing something to the table here. Because Clemson, Clemson seems pretty sharp, um, and and you can hey, there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of rhetoric about like who have they played, who have they played type of talk. But it, like let's all be honest with ourselves about what the SEC has looked like to this point. It's it it is it's good ball, but it's nothing in the S. If you just threw ACC logos or Big Twelve logos on these SEC teams. I I'm not sure it would shake you too much. Um, so Clemson's the team to beat right now. And uh let let's see what let's see what happens this weekend with Alabama, Georgia, and, and let's see what Ohio State looks like when they join the party. But Clemson's after this weekend, Clemson's the team to beat.
0: Additionally, like I, I think what else happened in, in, in SEC this this week and, and what else happened across the country. If you're Clemson, you have to feel pretty damn good that if you were to drop a game as long as you go on to win the ACC, you're still going to get in. I, 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 I'm at this point now. Like I think this win is, is a good enough kind of, you know, feather in their cap. So they, they could go to the committee and say, "Look, yeah, we 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 lost to Pitt or you know whomever had an off day. We also held Miami to 132 yards before we pulled our starters. I mean, guys, like this this is an absolute beatdown type thing with with, with Florida losing." I actually think that kind of helps their their case a little bit, right? With t- it reduces the chance that we have multiple, you know, one loss or zero loss SEC teams going into that final weekend that you're going to have to compete with. So,
1: and I, and I think it's also great for Clemson. It, it, it provides a nice safety net for Clemson. I shouldn't say great because they probably won't need it, but it's a safety net for Clemson that Alabama and Georgia are playing in the regular season because if those two teams win out. Or win just win their division like we expect that they will, then it's going to be. I guess if they split, then then there's a you know then there's going to be a case for getting both of them in. But if one of them wins both, you know it's a hard sell to give the give the team that lost to two game two games um, to to get them into the playoffs over a you know another team that that might have you know, a little bit different circumstances there. So, um, yeah, like I think Clemson's in, 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 great shape. So let me ask you this. Do you, I was about to pull up Clemson's Clemson schedule here. Um, so, so as you look across the schedule, like I assume you think Notre Dame is the best team on, they played Georgia tech, Syracuse, BC, Notre Dame, Florida state, Pitt, Virginia tech. Um, now Clemson is always threatened a sort of a no-show kind of game. So who knows? Maybe that's a Georgia Tech or BC or something. But I, I assume you think this the their their biggest challenge awaits still at Notre Dame? Yeah, I, I I do because
0: I I think Clemson's defensive front is pretty nasty. And at that point, they're gonna have you know Justin Foster and those guys back and healthy. Like let, let's not lose sight of the fact that they were missing some dudes. Up front, not not due to COVID stuff, but but just due to injury, and I, we, we expect those guys to come back. I, I think Notre Dame is, is the toughest game left on their schedule. It's at Notre Dame to whatever extent that matters. You know, this year I think home field's worth about a point instead of instead of two and a half.
1: So has Notre Dame done anything to make you think that they're good enough to beat Clemson?
0: No, but I, but their their blocking up front is good enough to make me think that they won't get bullied by Clemson's defensive line, and they could keep it close enough to where. If they got a turnover or two or something like that, it's possible they could. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're, they're good enough to stand there and, and trade some punches for a little while, I think, whereas Miami just got Mike Tyson, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if Notre Dame's receivers are all that much better than Miami's receivers. I agree. And Clemson's corners ate those dudes lunch the other night. And uh, if, that's the way, if that's who Clemson's corners are, and if they, it just wasn't a good game, and they just sort of happen to show up against a team that maybe didn't have the horses, but if that's just who they are, Clemson's going to be a problem. Um, Clemson's going to be a problem because th- th- those guys were they were uh, they were impressive.
0: I also don't really trust Ian Book to handle all the pressures, and more importantly, all the all the sim pressures that, that Clemson brings. I mean they they are so good at at you know, at, at at bluffing the boundary and bringing the field stuff and and if you're a quarterback playing Clemson, man, like you really feel like you're getting blitzed every down. And sometimes you look up, it's like, oh, they're only rushing three. But it feels like like you're never really comfortable and and able to just kind of have the game slow down for you against the Tigers. The other team that, that I would watch out for here, and this is a long shot, but if I have to pick a second one, it's, it's the Hokies because I feel like we have not seen what they look like fully healthy yet. And I think sure. their offensive line is pretty good. You know, it's the very last game of the year. We, we don't know what they'll look like at that point, but I think they at least have the potential to hang around for a half maybe um, because they, they can block, whereas Miami's offensive line is not as good as, as you know, VT or, or Notre Dame. All right, guys, quick little ad break here. Again, subscribe if you're listening to us on the 247sports.com website, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, that's the same thing as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever hit us up there and after this we're going to talk a little Georgia and why Georgia is a winner from the weekend and maybe some positivity from uh, from what we saw from the balls I guess we'll see All right, Drew, we're back. So I I got to say, we, we kind of nailed what Tennessee had to do to win this game. And also, I think nailed that they would not probably be able to do it. And yet, I didn't think they were going to be this bad. Like, I, I I believe that Tennessee has a good offensive line. And like for the most part, this game, the score was closer throughout the entire game than it was at the end. But I think the like the score at the end more accurately more accurately reflected like how the game was actually played in terms of moving the ball, you know, physically beating down your opponent. That 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 type of thing. If if Georgia doesn't have a a ball basically go over sets and bend its head, look like a damn punt snap <laughs> on the opening series. I kind of wonder if this thing plays out differently and it, it, it's a real runaway. We ID'd like the number one thing that they would have to do was to stay out of long down and distance because I I didn't trust Garantano. You didn't trust Garantano to make plays in that situation. Barton, four of 21 success rate on passing downs. Three fumbles on those, including two of them for turnovers. The last one was the, the, the real dagger score. And they just couldn't stay ahead of the chains, man. Two yards per rush if you take out the sacks they allowed. That... Credit to Georgia's defensive front, man, because that's a good Tennessee offensive line. They just
1: physically whipped. Yeah, I mean, th- this This is like a couple years in now of, of me leaning into this like boa constrictor uh, analogy for Georgia's defense because, you know, there's some... You could be struggling with that thing for a few minutes and feeling like you're in pretty good shape. You know, he, he's he's got your... He's got your foot, he's got your leg and, and you're, you're all right. You can breathe. You're straight. Like we'll get out of this. No No panic. And then before you know it, man, you're just, you're just totally engulfed and it, it's, it, you know, you suck get the life sucked out of you. And I'm, I'm trying to, I'm thinking back. So didn't, didn't last year's game go kind of similar, you know, Tim, Tennessee got 14 first half points. I'm just looking at the, I remember it similarly, with, you know the score was 26 to 14 at halftime. Um, and then the second half, Tennessee 17 to nothing, 43-14 final. And it's just, yeah, I mean, you're sure. You you're you know, you maybe play a quarter, pretty competitive. Yeah, maybe play a half. Congratulations, good on you. You know, go to locker locker room feeling good. Arkansas did it. You know, they were feeling great. It was so seven to five. Um, but then Man, those snaps start piling up, and it, I remember looking at halftime, and uh, because I was thinking about making a play on it, a, a, a pick on it, um, and I played the under because I was just I was going into halftime thinking about like, well, this is they scored a lot more points than I expected. Uh, what's the halftime un, like total? And I played the under, and I just wasn't really thinking about the side, but I remember noticing like, all right, well, Georgia just ran forty four plays, to so Tennessee's like twenty one or something, and Georgia had like 225 yards of offense to Georgia's like 110 or something and they just the it it piles on you know and Tennessee felt it they felt the full weight of it in the second half and so I just think it's a it's it's a testament to that defense as much as anything because the offense had its moments and it's they 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 You know they look good enough, Um, and it's this is not a this is not a bag on Georgia's offense day. I mean they they are they were plenty good enough, but that defense is really makes that team tick. And man, like it is it is as advertised to this point. And for an Alabama team that just literally uh, just gobbled up just about every single yard available to them against Ole Miss, um, that's going to be an incredible matchup next weekend. 214
0: yards we 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 let off the show talking about how great the sec offenses are right now yeah and george is like oh hey sorry oh guys uh we're stuck in this time machine back in 1941 and we're still 2009 here guys
1: (laughs) i don't know i don't know what y'all are doing we're still playing 2009
0: yeah dude it's it's crazy I, i if you're gonna beat them you i think you have to do what tennessee did on a couple drives but a lot better a lot cleaner and with more purpose and you have to be willing I think you have to be willing to run wide open you need to be an offense that is proficient at getting the ball out quickly you know and can can hold up in in some of your empty protections and really just get the ball out quick and and try to be explosive with the passing de- passing game on early downs and you know mix in the run here and there but you're not going to run on Georgia like I'm pretty confident then we'll do our, our deeper talk on it on the Wednesday show but like do you feel good about Bama lining up and running Najee on on Georgia right now because I, I don't
1: no no I think yeah I think what Bama, like, Bama is a, a diverse enough and versatile enough offense that they can that this, I mean it's is sort of the ultimate offense because you, they can pound you. Like they're capable of that. They they're big up front. They've got a they've got a workhorse back. They can also catch the ball really well. But then they got Waddle and Mechie and Devonta Smith on the perimeter. So, I mean, they're the right test. Um, but and and if anyone can do it, then it's gonna be Bama, but it's not gonna be easy. No, it, it certainly will not.
0: Probably, you know, I I don't want to bag on Georgia's offense. It was fine. It it was you know they five point six yards of play, like that seems very low in the modern day SEC. But they they took a little while to kind of get get their footing. Uh, their their running game was much better than than Tennessee's, obviously. And I think it's at a certain point they realized, okay, Tennessee is not going to score traditional points on us. I mean they they, they hit two like kind of deep bombs on them. And other than that, the the other touchdown was when when Georgia snapped the ball over Bennett's head. Which you know fortunate those points count, but it's not exactly something you know that your offense is doing. The other reason why I have them here on winners is, is twofold. Number one, Nick Saban's Alabama Crimson Tide had to defend 89 plays deep into the night in Oxford. Like, do you know how yeah. pissed Saban's gotta be? Like that his team couldn't put put Ole Miss away, run the ball, control the game, get out of there by by 10 30 central, you know, <laughs> and and Get, get 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 back and get in test to get get your treatment. Get to bed. They had to play. They played literally the highest scoring non overtime game in SEC history. He had to defend eighty nine plays, almost all of which involved his starters. Like that's a huge win for Georgia. Jo- Georgia was asleep by that point. And additionally, the other reason why I think Georgia's a winner this weekend is that Florida lost. And look, if Florida beats Georgia. takes care of its business the rest of the way out it's still going to go to the sc title game but florida's margin of error is now zero because they they if they lose another game you know it it may or may not matter if they if they beat georgia depending on what georgia does to alabama so that that was a a really good weekend for the bulldogs and I, i know we thought it was crazy but I think we're still looking pretty good as far as that chart for how many points you would need to beat Tennessee. Like, if you look at, you know, offensive points allowed, because obviously the, you know, Georgia offense had an own goal uh, scored.
1: I think we're still looking okay. So, there, Ole Miss lost, obviously. Uh, and that was the, maybe the most enjoyable game of the night just because it was, it was just, Ridiculous. Um, And it was just kind of crazy and semi bizarre to watch an Alabama defense just get absolutely like torched like that. Um, But Ole Miss is a winner for sure for me, despite the loss, because it's, it's, it totally validates the Lane Kiffin experience. It totally validates what they're doing on offense. It validates the higher. It validates the impact he's going to have on the league. And it also, like, you know, winners, losers, whatever. Like, your you're, Ole Miss was the team, as we go down this, man, look at this brutal, like, conference schedule everyone's going to have to play. Uh, man, how are you going to find your wins? All right, well, you got, you know, you'll get that win against Vandy. Okay, you'll get one against Ole Miss probably, um, uh, maybe Mike Leach won't quite be ready yet Mississippi like man, forget that noise. Ole miss is not any longer a, a win. You're going to be able to just chalk up. Now the defense is horrible. Um, but the offense is so good that if you just, you know, if you, if you break serve, then, you know, there's, there's, or if they break serve and there's going to be a problem. Um, and so, I mean, like this week's game against Arkansas is fascinating. Uh I would I would probably pick Ole Miss right now over Auburn. Um you know, like A&M, Mississippi State, LSU, I mean all those teams obviously are going to need that game. Um I just think this is I mean such a disruptor in the SEC. Like that's um it's is this is just I mean I'm 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 like, like, thank you, Lane. Like, I, like, thanks for all you're bringing uh, in this 2020 year uh, because it, it's uh, that was a win for me.
0: It, it really is amazing, and and I'm not even sure Old Miss is a good team because like they <laughs> they give up 40 plus to everybody. Right. Kentucky, right. which does not even know the Ford Pass exists, was like, oh, we'll just run for for 400. So I bet over 89 and a half in this game live last night when it was 28-28 they literally sc- traded touchdowns i think on the next six drives and i almost had this thing go over 35 points later in the same quarter <laughs> it was like I, I i i i quoted the the post in, in in the live betting thread that i have on 247sports.com i was like oh that was uh that was fairly easy okay um and i really thought about firing again but at that point the over-under had, had, had crept up to like 110. I was like, eh, 110. Just I, I gotta think Nick Saban's gonna find a way. And it would have still won. It would have finished with
1: 111. So I had I had the 70 over 73 and a half was what I got the team the, the game total at. I also played the Alabama uh team total over 48. Mm. And and I and I also played Alabama minus 14 the first half. And so first half. Uh, Alabama, obviously like it became pretty like when, when Najee fumbled it, uh, on the one yard line, then that like was going to be, I was, that was, I knew I was probably not going to hit that bet. So I was kind of licking my wounds, but it was, it was amazing how confident you could be even when the score was like 14 to seven and being able to hit that over. And even, even like late because, because Alabama didn't hit the team total, um, but by like eight points. I mean, didn't they finish with like fifty six or something? Uh, sixty
0: three. Oh, they, they got to say okay, so they did get to sixty three. Good measure.
1: Well, well, they so they, but like as as we we're progressing into the fourth quarter, there was never like a moment. Like I guess as, as long as they get the possessions, as long as almost as start start kicking like onside kicks, and somehow like freaky things happen like that, where they just don't get the possessions or they like muff punts or something, there's no chance that I'm not hitting this because Alabama was just scoring every time. Um, and so I, I said this before, I think I've said this on the cover three pod before, but like Ole Miss is such a, um, they're like a, they're, they are skew the averages for everybody because their defense is so bad that it's going to make everyone's offense even better. And their offense is so good that they're going to make everybody's defense even worse. And, and so... You know, just throw out like like you just almost to 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 measure what a team is like their profile, how good they are offensively and defensively. You almost have to throw an old Miss game out because their offense and their defense is going to skew the numbers so poorly or so like so dramatically, and then you have to like judge them based on their other performances.
0: Almost in the same way that like you need to look if you're looking at the team rankings and see who has played Vanderbilt already, right? Cause like, like, you know, sure. everybody beats Vanderbilt by, by 40. It doesn't matter. And really beating Vanderbilt by 40 is not actually an indication that you're good or, or, or that you're bad. Uh, but yeah, old Miss is so much fun and just, it's absolute craziness. By the way, uh, speaking of team totals, one team total that absolutely drew, I, I did win it, but one that just totally drove me absolutely freaking nuts on the day was Pitt over 23 and a half. So, they go into Boston college territory on their final four drives, like inside the, inside the BC 40 and come away with three points, which, and that three points came on like a 55 yard field goal at the very, it it, it hit it. It it got me to 24. No, no. It it got over. Oh, wow. uh, I bet over 23 and a half. Got a good number at, at at some, you know, I, I paid for it with the juice. I was like, okay,
1: Pitt is a, that, that betting on Pitt now, that is a, that is an experience because you never know what you're going to get with that crew and talk about a team that deserves like all kinds of credit BC, man, you know, that for them to figure out ways to win for Phil Jakovic to come out like firing the way he has, um, that's a, I mean, that, that staff Probably gets as, as high a marks for year one as any as any staff that's played so far that in, in the country. I mean, you know that wasn't they didn't get here in a loaded roster. Um, that that's they they've done really good work. They they, they
0: absolutely have. They, they deserve a lot of credit. Okay, uh, Let's get a little big Big Twelve talk. Yeah. Um, so my winners in the Big Twelve this weekend were pretty much Oklahoma State, who didn't play. Uh, because it, it's you can't lose if you don't play and Iowa State who uh, i i actually i usually don't do this I, I don't usually take double digit favorites and also bet the under but I, I bet under and took Iowa State uh, these those spreads actually moved against me on the weekend i I laid 12 and a half that thing finished like 10 and I took under 62 and a half and it, it I think it finished 64 or 65 and I just couldn't understand where I don't know. I was like, okay, either I'm very wrong on this, or the market is wrong, uh, and ultimately, you know, neither of them were uh, were even close to to losing. Iowa State's a team that's getting better, and like Iowa State has the tiebreaker to get to the Big Twelve title game over Oklahoma if they were to both finish somehow w- with just two losses in the conference. So, I feel like they're they're my winners in the, in
1: that league right now. So. I thought um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna hope Steve. I hope I'm not. Not blowing up his spot here. I hope I would, I'm not that this. But, but my guy Steve Wilfong, when Iowa State lost to this is like a this is like a second hand here, um, uh, sighting of a of a source. But Steve talked to someone on Iowa State staff after the Louisiana game, and they were like, you know what, we're good. Like, I mean, that's a good Louisiana team. We. We lost um, sucks, but like, we're not worried, man. We're like, we, we know this is a good team. We knew that was going to be a tough game. Breaks didn't go our way. We're, we're not, we're not panicking here. This we're going to keep getting better and we're, we're, we're fine. And that's a very Matt Campbell approach. That's a very stay the course mentality. And here they are. They've stayed the course and they do. They currently look like the second best team in the big 12 right now. If not, you know, you could probably make, make a case that they look like the best. And Brock Purdy just had the best game he's had. Um, this this season. The defense just forced Texas Tech into their worst game of the year so far. The defense is playing really well. Uh, Brees Hall had third, fourth straight, third straight uh, 100-yard rushing game. Yep. Uh, um, he is emerging as maybe, you know, behind Travis CTN, maybe as, as good a running back as there is in the country. Um, I mean, there's a lot to like with Iowa State right now. And, um, and they've got the Oklahoma game behind them. Um, and that, that's, I think that's, that's key is, is we're, like, we're, we're talking about Iowa state with I minister. Mean, they still have Oklahoma state, but they've got to like, as we, as we <clears throat> sort of take a look at the the big 12 and the landscape, Iowa state has two of the toughest games behind them in TCU and in Oklahoma. Um, and, so there's just like, there's really well well positioned um to finish strong because you know even if Oklahoma continues to rattle this thing off like they've got the tiebreaker there um and they're a team that is uh, well equipped to win in different in, in like varying ways and the way the Big 12 is set up right now there are like you ha- do have to win in different ways like it's not just all shootouts um and so Kansas State ain't going to try to get you in a shootout. They're going to try to pull you into their game, too. And so, um, you know, I I just think that they're – I'm with you. Like, they – they that was a win for Iowa State this weekend.
0: Can we just bemoan Texas for a minute? Like, like, look, I I get you have struggles, but I'm going to cuss, and and it's a family-friendly show. This is just – first of all, I I got absolutely just bricked on this game. I had plus three and under 74 and a half.
1: I mean, that's not a brick – you, I mean, it's, it goes to overtime. All, I had the, I had the over. So like, you know, like I'm the genius, but not really <laughs> like the defense has played pretty well. Like that was the right side. I, I think the rights I had, I, 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 didn't play it, but I thought about playing Oklahoma. Uh, I did play Oklahoma at halftime. Um, I thought, I think Oklahoma was the right side, yeah, I agree. but that is it. But certainly the way that game played out, like that could have finished either way as well. So it wasn't like, it was a brick. You just, He's just the wrong side. Of course. So
0: <laughs> Sam Ellinger, he uh he either carried or threw the ball on 76 of Texas's 87 plays. That's like yeah. a huge load, man.
1: I mean, this dude like
0: he he threw 53 times for 287, was sacked six times. The other Texas players had 29 rushing yards on 11 carries. Like, are th- th- does Sam Ellinger hold practice by himself? Does he just like throw the ball up to himself and like the rest of the guys just go, like, like you know, hang out with the band during practice? Like, what, what is Texas doing? It-
1: this I, is, uh, I don't want to sound
0: like like hot take
1: guy, but jeez, he is, he is, it's a marvel to watch him because he is and it's not even like it's when you said whatever you said, what, what was it? Uh, 76 of the 87 plays or something. Yeah. Um, he, it's not like that's a lot of sort of KJ Costello, you know, get rid of the ball before anyone, you know, before like anyone gets past the defensive line, like he's taking shots. He is, he is like in the mix and he is totally like, like, Invincible through all this, like the fact that he is still standing. Not after that game, I'm talking about after his like the career he's had at Texas. Because this isn't new; that wasn't new to that game. That's just been the way it is. And 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 the other thing I like I'm sitting here watching Georgia Tech, and Jameer Gibbs, the true freshman running back, is like, oh, he's flashing. Oh, look at Jameer Gibbs. Oh, look at them getting the ball him in space, and oh, look at him running out, running these defenses. And Texas, I mean, you can't tell me that. That B. John Robinson can't do some of that stuff if you don't just find ways to get him involved. And if you, I got, and I don't want to make this a like, oh, coaching just needs to be better. I just, but it's just, there's a lot of stuff about Texas right now that is just head scratching. It's just what I don't, it's just hard to figure out what they're missing. I mean, Mike Yursich, I mean, he's no dummy. Tom Herman's no dummy. I mean, they, it's not like they don't, but, but there's just a, I don't know, man, there's just like a fog over that program that they just can't shake.
0: I agree, man. It's and it, it's it's hard to see I'm not going to say they can't finish with a winning record cuz they certainly could, but it's really hard for me to see them winning out. You know, I I think 6 and 4 is probably optimistic for them at this point.
1: I don't you know? yeah, I can't see them winning. I mean, they're just too inconsistent. Um they're going to be in too many close games. They're going to be they're not going to um and they and 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 hey, I'll give them credit. I mean, their defense played better, um, but it still was. You know, I'm not gonna say I didn't see some sorry ass tackles uh, over the course of the game too. I mean, it could be, it still could be a lot better, um, but it's uh, it, it's it. Ultimately, the the biggest issue though with that game for me wasn't even the outcome. It wasn't even the the score, the yardage total, the yards per play, any of that stuff. It was just it was the penalties. It was like the timeliness of the turnovers. It was just the it was just the sloppiness of the product. Um and the University of Texas in year four and it's just time to it's time to tighten it up. It's time to, you know, screws gotta be a little tighter than that at this point in the, you know, in the tenure of Tom Herman.
0: One thing I do think we got right on the last Barton and Bud show was that we we kind of questioned the skill guys on Oklahoma. And, Barton, I got to tell you, I saw Oklahoma's offensive line, which has not been that great this year. I, I saw them open some holes, and you pointed out in our Slack, and we were both kind of thinking the exact same thing and coming in there, you know, we should have called jinx on each other. Like, dude, they had holes to run through? I'm like, oh, that that's out the gate. He's gone. Oh, wait, oh, no, he's not gone. He's, he's tackled for a tw- – since it's 12 <laughs> yard run, 12. Yeah. That's all we got out of that. Like
1: yeah.
0: uh, Oklahoma, they are missing some dudes at the skill positions. I, I think next year, hell, maybe later this year, depending on who they get back, uh, they, they, they could be, they could honestly be a dangerous team. And th- this win, like Oklahoma's not a huge winner of the weekend, but they get to say, Hey, we, our worst Oklahoma team in quite a while, still beat Texas. And if we get healthy and get right, and if Iowa State or Oklahoma State were to stub their toe down the stretch, we could easily get into this Big Twelve Championship game and still win the Big Twelve with our worst Oklahoma team in quite some time.
1: That was yeah, that that wasn't a top twenty-five Oklahoma team. No. And get your you know, get your shots in now, Big Twelve. Get you one. You know, take it. get, get your, your pound of flesh off of Oklahoma this this year because they are going to be so much better next year Um, because that was the, that was the, that's the big um, disparity. That's, that's like the big uh, point of, 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 of difference between those two teams is neither look great. It's just one has an excuse and one, and one doesn't. Um, And I think Oklahoma is going to be really good next year.
0: Staying in the big 12 uh, shout out to one of my favorite recruits from last year, who was actually hurt during their senior year of high school I I just happened to see him, uh, you know, summer before the senior year. He really impressed uh, Charles Power and I when we we were down in Houston that that day, the Nike camp or the opening or whatever we call it now. Jalen Polk. uh, Dude, I was just – I was high on, finally starting to merge for Texas Tech. Texas Tech, not the best quarterback play, I would say, so far this year with with Bowman getting hurt and Columbia coming in. But uh, six targets, five catches, 54 yards, including three first downs, uh, one of the best receivers there for tech on the day in a losing effort. So if you're in one of those like super deep uh, NFL dynasty style draft leagues where you have like a hundred man bench or whatever, I think Jalen Polk is, is potentially worth the flyer.
1: Are those out there?
0: Dude, they are. I, I get people hitting me up in the DMS. I'm like, I don't know. Like, this is not that there's like, there's, uh, that sounds amazing. We would be good oh, at them by the way. Hell yeah. Like. <laughs> you
1: know? yeah let's do that. That's, 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 that's like my wheelhouse right there.
0: Yeah. I, I, uh, if I find anything for for some serious stakes, I'll, I'll go ahead and forward it on to you. <laughs> oh, I, can't,
1: I can't. I don't have any more. Like, there's no more compartments in my brain that I can devote to my time to right now. Uh, but maybe, maybe I just got enough like logged up there to just spit it out without thinking about it. So that it's, it's maybe worth a try.
0: You think I would fly into Simmons household? Hey, honey, I have to do
1: <laughs> 100. Rounds. I got. I've got my. Uh, I've, I've got my 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 deep what what are they called what are they even called like uh, they're called
0: like dynasty fantasy league uh, somebody will get at, get at us for sure yeah, and
1: tell us yeah yeah no i think i think um uh, i think the wife would not i wouldn't fly she she barely she barely like i she i can't even not that i can't but like watching an nFL game is like a tough that's a tough one to pull off so uh much less like drafting my my high schoolers yeah
0: all right, let's go ahead and give us uh, three or four minutes here on the G5. People complain we don't talk enough G5 sometimes, and I, I really searched high and low. Not a lot of great G5 stuff this weekend. BYU kind of screwed around for, for quite a while and uh, and help. like Did not cover. Didn't even really come, come close to covering, but I, I want to go here to the CUSA. Let, let's go to Conference USA and specifically the East, where a lot of teams are looking real bad, and one team is just kind of not fallen victim to whatever is afflicting the rest of the conference. And that's not a COVID joke, but Marshall waxes Western Kentucky 38, 14 to kind of take a, I don't want to say a stranglehold in that division because they've only played one conference game, but like they've looked good in all their other games. They they've, you know, they've scored points. Their defense is not terrible. FIU had like three yards per attempt from three different quarterbacks. They kind of have a quarterback issue. Charlotte FAU looked kind of terrible. Middle Tennessee State is in that division two. And I, I think Marshall took a huge step forward and they are mine. I think I actually like their chances of winning the QC East against the field in the QC. So that, that's my G5 note for the week. Marshall looks, looks competent.
1: I mean, I feel like Marshall is this is the type of year that Marshall is like built to have success. We talked about it before with some of these other teams, like, all right, who has a, a good head coach, strong continuity, a good culture. And like, who can survive through this, like Doc holiday, like he, he not mess around. I, I, that that's, that seems like it makes sense to me that Marshall is, is, is putting up a good product and under these circumstances, um, here's my, here's my G five team to watch. How, how much of you been paying attention to, to what Liberty has been doing? Uh, uh, and this
0: weekend, I paid a lot of attention because I, I I grabbed Louisiana Monroe plus 21 and they closed like plus 16. And so I had a lot of, a lot of line value there. And then that line value just went up in smoke because
1: uh, they got smoked by the flames. 40 spot on them. They've got uh, Syracuse next weekend. They've got Virginia Tech in early November. They've got NC State in late November. And they've got our favorite G5 team, Coastal Carolina, who we're seeing Wednesday night against Louisiana. What, what? Uh, this Liberty team is pretty fun. Malik Willis, the Auburn, former Auburn quarterback, is is the quarterback at Liberty. Uh, he's got some NFL sort of um, buzz. Uh, and he's, he's playing really well right now. And Hugh Freeze has got them rolling. And I'm just sort of thinking... Um, I talked to a defensive coordinator once that told me that like Hugh Freeze is, is one of the toughest guys to 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 like defend against because he's just like he's the he's the uh RPO whiz kid. Was his and, name Kirby Smart? <laughs> <laughs> it, I, get some trouble there's, there. there's a lot of coaches that you could like point to that might that have had some trouble there. Um but like just I'm just sort of thinking I'm just sort of thinking like real time thinking out loud uh spitball in here. All right. Owen 10 Vanderbilt. Gotta make a change. Go get you Hugh Freeze. Get some offensive juice at the conference. No, you know, private university. Don't have to worry about the um what is it? The uh the, the what 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 are we calling the For thing you. the FOIA FOIA Freedom of <laughs> Information Act. Yeah, yeah. Uh you could also just get a of sealed 7 <laughs> like, like, Eleven. It's called a burner, you know like <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm like, I'm joking because I don't think Vanderbilt will do that. But I gotta think that Hugh Freeze, and with and with every win, Hugh Freeze's background gets a little bit less murky and a little bit more excusable. And you know, Hugh Freeze wants to be in the mix. Now I know he's kind of got he's he's sort of insulated over there at Liberty, and things are things are cooking pretty good for him, but. You know, just sort of like the Lane Kiffin redemption tour. Um I think Lane Kiffin wants back a piece of the big stage again. So I'm sorry, Hugh Freeze does. So I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm very curious to see what Liberty looks like as they start to pop off against some of these power five programs coming up because um four and O and and ULM and any good, but uh they've beaten a couple other decent G five teams before that one.
0: I tell you what Brad Crawford uh, was actually pointing out today that, that Hugh Freeze might look pretty good at South Carolina. I, I've i got a guy for Vanderbilt, right? Like I, I'm, I'm very much on this train. We talked about this over the summer that that Vandy needs to run some version of something that's really funky. So whether it's like traditional triple option you or, go Jamie
1: Chadwell, yes, I actually, have, <laughs> I, I have his Wikipedia page pulled up. I, I want to
0: get Jamie on this podcast because like his offense is so freaking fun, man. And they, they, like they they rep it well. He's also a guy that's proven he can win. Like, like he he won at Charleston Southern, took him to the FCS quarters. That they, they they went to the FCS playoffs. Another year. He's you know he's got Coastal three and zero. Got a pretty tough test this Wednesday against uh, against Louisiana. Louisiana a little bit beefier, a little bit better than some of the teams Coastal's played so far. He but I mean, like this guy can coach, and that offense is fun, dude. They are. That is, re- and it's just weird enough that like, imagine, imagine playing bandy if they ran that competently. Like, they're they're going to go to a bowl what every three years, maybe one every two years, and they're always going to be a pain to play.
1: So uh, Willie Korn is the offensive coordinator at Coastal, and when I was in, I want to say he he's either he was either in high school when I was in college or in high school when I like just got out of college. Um, and he played at at Burns high school in South Carolina and he's, he's been in Vanderbilt stadium before because he took Burns high school and he played my high school. Um, and, and my high school was really good. And he went in that stadium, uh, and absolutely blew the doors off my high school. And, um, and he was a really highly recruited and highly rated guy. Went to Clemson career didn't pan out but now he's their offensive coordinator along with another guy that's been with chadwell for a while and that that you're right that offense is awesome um i'm with it man that would be fun get him in there continue to 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 press push the envelope for offensive football in the sec i want to know
0: where this came from man like like where where, where did chadwell get this offense because I, I was looking at it and I, I really can't trace his coaching tree to like some famous you know i i i don't i don't think he's a Willie fritz guy but it if I had to describe the offense, that's kind of the offense that it's most similar to. I mean, they're doing a lot of like two back triple gun stuff with uh, with with a lot of a lot of misdirection on there, and it's,
1: it's well, he's fun. been at like he was a, he's been at like Charleston Southern, right, and, and then uh, Delta
0: State, North Delta- Greenville, which is like like a D two team,
1: yeah. So and you know like there's like Mike Leach and Holgerson and those guys like they they came up in the. Iowa Wesleyan and Valdosta State and all these places, and I feel like if if it's really true, like if it's if it's really truly like his system that he's sort of built up and created, I think that that is it makes sense that he sort of comes from these, and he's an East Tennessee State guy, so hey, he's got some got some Tennessee roots. Um, but it makes sense that he's come from these sort of smaller programs and has built this thing up because he's had time to kind of work on it and tinker with it without the threat of being fired at the big, big sec schools or something. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm with you on my fascination and excitement. So I can't wait to Wednesday. I mean, we're, we're recording on Wednesday, probably before the, the game, but that is one of the games of the week, coastal and Louisiana. We, here we are. We have talked more about coastal, <laughs> this podcast than maybe any other team barring like i don't know lsu or texas or something but uh hey that's, that's they deserve it
0: if, if if coastal wear if coastal sends me some gear i will definitely rock a, a a coastal hat or a coastal shirt on this podcast
1: hell yeah they got some good colors too they got like, their colors are like turquoise it's uh it's legit they're, they're, they're they look like they have fun out there
0: and and this is not like like an anti-Louisiana take because Louisiana has earned the right to be called Louisiana, not Louisiana Lafayette. I mean, like I, I like Billy yeah. Napier a lot, and you know, we're we're not trying to, to stump for you know for Napier not to get the South Carolina job because it feels like like predestined at this point. Uh, but like Coastal's fun, man. Like they are a really it's watch them on Wednesday, and I I, I hope they don't bomb. You know, just just because Louisiana's that good up front, but I I think they're gonna they're gonna have something for them.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. That's all I got. Alright, I'm I'm clear too. So we'll we'll check back in on Wednesday. Another fun weekend. We've got another fun weekend to come. We get a little Wednesday midweek appetizer. This stuff's awesome, man. Let's keep it rolling.
0: on Paramount Plus. You're ready, Bob. Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.